Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm Ben, filling in again today. And in a world that is filled with anxiety and weariness, Jesus offers us something completely different. He offers complete, abundant, overflowing joy. And as you're listening right now, you're probably going, yeah, I've heard that before, but how? How do you find it? How do you do it? Our guest today is Tara Dew. She is the director of Thrive. It's a ministry wives certificate program, and she's an adjunct professor of ministry to women at the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. And Tara, we are just so grateful uh, that you have joined Afternoons with Bill Arnold today. So welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. It's my honor. Mm. And so you've written this book. It's called Overflowing Joy, What Jesus Says About a Joy-Filled Life. And it's not all, uh, you know, because sometimes people listen to Christian radio. Before I worked in Christian radio, I would think it's all sunshine and roses all the time. (laughs) That isn't necessarily the case. We're looking at at John chapter 15, Jesus the true vine today. And and we're so excited, as you um, will teach us today, how to find this overflowing joy that Jesus offers. And it starts with verses 1 and 2, where you can see that joy comes from God's pruning. And I'd just like to read John chapter 15, 1 and 2. I am the true grapevine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. Now, Tara, when we think of pruning, we think of Mm -hmm. cutting, it doesn't always seem like the most fun experience. No, not at all. <laughs> Honestly, many times when when we are being pruned, all we can see is what we are losing. All we can see is the loss that is around us. And when we think about our lives, we think about um, maybe activities that were pruned from our schedule or a job or a relationship or a home um, or family members, friends, um, things that were dear to us that we no longer have. And as we look back, um, it can just look like a lot of loss. But the Bible promises that we have a gardener who loves us, mm. who knows what is best for us, who is wise and purposeful. And his pruning of our lives actually will bear more fruit. They will, they in turn and in due season, create the roots to go deeper so that the plant can be more full and more rich. And so, so many times when we're going through pruning, all we see is what we're losing, but we need to trust in those moments that our God is good and he is our gardener who knows what's best for us. And there is more life coming and more joy coming if we will trust him. Amen, Tara. You know, I think of two Bible verses, um, one being um, James chapter one, where um, they they talk about, you know, being grateful in all situations, even the hard stuff, because nowhere else, I I believe in the Bible, does it say then you will become fully mature, right? And and then when Job, who had so much, lost everything, 
He said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so what you're talking about is a heart posture. And so even when you're, even when you're being pruned by God, and we talk about the fact that it, it doesn't always feel the most comfortable or sound like the most fun thing, it leads to pure joy if we focus on God and thank him even for the hard stuff. That's exactly right. And I once heard it said that anything that makes us more dependent on God Mm. is a blessing in our life. And I think that in his pruning, it does create a heart posture and a character where we no longer are finding our satisfaction, our joy, our life in the things that are not him. And so when we look back at our lives and we see the things that have made us more dependent on God, those are gifts from him. Mm. It's easy to, I, I can just hear somebody in the car right now or listening to the Afternoons with Bill Arnold podcast as we listen to Tara Dew, our guest this afternoon, this overflowing joy, um, what Jesus says about a joy-filled life. And those people that are really busy or that are really struggling going, yeah, what you're saying sounds good, but it's really hard to take that next step. Or I, you don't know what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Um, yep, because it's I easy do. to talk about this and it's easy to go, well, just do just have gratitude be your attitude. Just be thankful in all <laughs> things. But it's it's harder than that. But it is. But but your book and then in John chapter 15 is really there to comfort and encourage and and to really walk beside you to go, but it really can be an easier way because with Christ, we can do all things. That's right. And our joy is not found in our circumstances. Our joy is found in a person and his name is Jesus. And when we rest our souls in him, when he is the anchor of hope in our life, then the things of this world don't charm us anymore. And we begin to long for heaven where we will dwell with him forever. And um, so for any listeners that are out there, I want you to know God sees you. God knows exactly what you are going through and he loves you and he desires to be your joy, even in this heartache. Mm. I'm so grateful for your tenderness and your comfort and your encouragement, Tara. Uh, This is Afternoons with Bill Arnold. We're in John chapter 15 and and learning three pathways to joy. And the Mm -hmm. second pathway we find in verses four through eight, where Jesus teaches us that our joy is found only in God's presence. And that's kind of what you were just talking about. I'd love to read verses four through eight. Um, Jesus says, remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. Mm, mm, Yes. So remaining in his presence is the secret to joy. And the pruning creates this posture of heart in our lives where we want to do nothing else 
but remain with him. And that word remain um, is a verb that sometimes some translations will translate it abide. Other translations will say dwell or abide or stay. But it has the same connotation that this is not something where we are actively um, seeking to move forward or to fight for God or to fight for our joy or to white knuckle it. This verb carries the idea of we are to be so close and so united to Christ that there is nothing that will pull us away from him. And when we all went through COVID, we understand a stay at home order that we have never experienced in our whole life. But I want you to think about these verses almost as a stay at home order. Mm. Our God is commanding us. It's not a suggestion. It is a command that we are to stay with him. We are to remain with him. We are to dwell with him. We are to abide with him because in him, there is joy Mm. in him. There is life. And I love the metaphor that he uses there of the vine and the branches. And even though we're separated from the agriculture society today, we all know about vines in our neighborhoods, whether it's jasmine vines or ivy vines or grape vines, um, wisteria vines. These vines are strong and rooty and deep, and then they send out branches from them. Um, But if you cut off a branch, if you remove the branch from the vine, if the branch gets separated from the vine, it will die. And so as Christians, Jesus commands us, stay with me, be connected to me, remain in me. And those are some of the most beautiful life-giving words in all of scripture, where it talks about us being found in Christ or being in him. And that is where our true joy comes from, is that posture of remaining. Mm. Tara, this is Afternoons with Bill Arnold. My name is Ben. I'm filling in again today. We talk about finding joy in this overflowing joy, what Jesus says about a joy-filled life at, at so many times. And in culture, there are so many ways that culture leads us or takes us to different routes or tries to distract us. How do we best, um, as somebody's listening right now, um, what is the best way to remain I love that question. Um, There was a famous monk by the name of Brother Lawrence who came up with a saying called practicing the presence of God. And he wanted to, in every minute of his day, to redirect and refocus his mind and his heart on his God. And in doing so, he never wanted to you know, cut the communion that he had with the spirit of God. Now, in our 21st century lives where we are running ourselves ragged here and there, uh, juggling so many things, that type of meditation and posture and communion with God. I know some listeners are thinking, well, yeah, he was a monk. He didn't have anything else that he had to do. He was probably in some monastery in the mountains. And that's so far from our life today. And you're right. You know, we're not living as monks, many of us in a monastery far away, but I'll tell you the same God that wanted to abide with brother Lawrence wants to abide with you today. Mm. And so as his followers, whatever we can do that will redirect our hearts and our minds to God is a good thing. And so for me, 
Um, after I've done my, my time in scripture in the morning, I'll try to maybe write a verse or two on a post-it note and I'll stick it in places where I'll see it often so that I can just meditate and think on the truths of God. Um, if you're ever in my car with me or you're ever in my kitchen with me where I'm cooking, I want to have worship music on that will posture my heart to just be in gratitude and praise and worship to my God. I love Shane and Shane or other authors um, and scripture uh, writers that put scripture into song so that we can literally be be memorizing scripture as we're singing these songs. Um, in my home, I've got framed scripture verses in different places so that as I'm going about my home, I've got these things that, that I can constantly put my eyes on. And I pray every morning, God, may your thoughts be my thoughts. Mm. May your words be my words. And as I go about my day, I want the love of Jesus and the joy that is found in him to be so overflowing and contagious in my life that it splashes out onto everybody else that's around me. Because mm. I'll tell you this, our world is broken and the people in our world seem hopeless and seemed so filled with anxiety or worries or concerns and y'all, as Christians, we have the answer that they need. And many of us, as we're just going about our days, need to be splashing the love and the joy of Jesus onto them because they might never set foot in a church, but they're around us. And so may God use our words and our thoughts and our actions to constantly be reminding others of the aroma of Christ wherever we go. Mm -hmm. And I think it starts with our minds and our hearts, and then it spills out from our words and our actions to everyone around us. Jesus wants us to have a joy that is so full, so real, so genuine, so overflowing that we can't keep it to ourselves. And I can't wait to continue this conversation with Tara Dew. She's written this book called Overflowing Joy, what Jesus says about a joy-filled life. We're in John chapter 15, and we've been talking about the two pathways to joy, and we'll get to the third pathway in verses 9 through 12 next on Afternoons with Bill Arnold on Faith Radio. This is your birthday song. It isn't very long. Hey, Faith Radio is celebrating 75 years of bringing faith to life. That's right. We are 75 this year. So to celebrate, we are giving away 75 Faith Radio birthday boxes packed with all kinds of fun things to help you grow in your walk of faith. And yes, celebrate with us. So we're going to be celebrating the birth and growth and future of Faith Radio all year long. And you are an integral part of the Faith Radio family, and so we want to send you a gift. How fun is that? This is our birthday song. It isn't very long. So to enter to win a Faith Radio birthday box today, come to MyFaithRadio.com. Jesus wants you to have a joy that is so full, so real, so genuine, so overflowing that we can't keep it to ourselves. And he offers it to you. It's amazing. 
Hi, this is uh, Ben. I'm in for Bill Arnold today, and we're having this conversation with Tara Dew. She is the director of Thrive. It's a ministry wives certificate program and an adjunct professor of ministry to women at the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. And today is the day that her book is out, so you can get it anywhere you find your books. It's called Overflowing Joy, What Jesus Says About a Joy-Filled Life. And we've been walking through these these three steps. And first, it is pruning by our Heavenly Father. We're in John chapter 15, too, by the way. The second one is the promise of His presence. And Tara, I want to get right to number three. Number three is our perseverance in His command to love one another, to love each other. And we're in John chapter 15. I just want to read verses 9 through 12. It says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This Mm -hmm. is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Mm. Now, Tara, I know we're talking about these three steps in your new book, Overflowing Joy, and what Jesus says about a joy-filled life, and none of these three steps are really comfortable for us. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I had a conversation with my boss the other day um, just about living life, and we were just talking about loving and God's command to love him and to love each other, but why can love which seems like so easy. You see it in the Hallmark movies, and we just celebrated Valentine's Day last week, and we all celebrate love, but love isn't always easy to do. No, no, it's not, Um, especially because we live in a broken world, and we are all sinners, and we all have uh, mistakes that we make, and there's all times that we are hard to love, Mm. and Uh, We see our selfishness and our pride come out. And not only is it hard sometimes for people to love us, but it's it's hard for us to love other people. But I love these promises that Jesus gives us in John 15. And it all comes back to he is love. And he loved us when we weren't worthy of that love, Mm. when we did nothing to earn that love or to deserve that love. And because of who he is, his love is like a fountain that flows out onto us, undeserving, unrighteous people. And yet he loves us. And he says, if you are in me, if you remain in me, then you're going to love others as I have loved you. And so these three steps really do follow and build on each other. Our pruning that he does causes us to be dependent on him. As we are dependent on him, we find that we have to stay connected to him as our vine. And when we stay connected and remain with him, then we allow the love that he has given to us to then flow through us to other people. And this is a concept that is not isolated just to John 15. If you read in the book of first John, if you go all the way back to Leviticus, I mean, the entire Bible talks about this type of love that does not come from us, but rather it comes from our heavenly father who loved us and then calls us then to love other people. And so the source of our love is not ourselves. It is from our Heavenly Father, whose roots are deep, 
whose vine is strong. And when we stay connected to him, we allow his love to go through us to other people, even the people that are really difficult to love. Mm. Of which I am one of them at times, you know? Uh, we, <laughs> yes. So Tara, yes. We, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, in life, there are people that are very natural to love. Mm. I mean, the moment that a child is placed into your arms, it is the most natural, overwhelming love that you have ever felt for another human being. Um, but as we go through life, there are difficulties that come or people that just bother us or drive us crazy or people that are downright hateful to us. Mm. And Jesus promises, you know, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And I think that that does come with peace. That does come with joy. But most of all, it comes with love. Like we are called to love our enemies. We are called to pray for those who persecute us, right? This is one of the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter five. And so throughout scripture, Jesus doesn't just call us to love those who are easy. He says we are to love everyone, mm. even our enemies. Mm. Tara Dew is our guest on Afternoons with Bill Arnold today. I'm Ben, and Tara, we're down to the final five minutes, unfortunately, because I could talk to you for <laughs> days. I'm so grateful I for know. the joy that is coming through the speakers and into my headphones right now. But you mentioned, you know, some of the, the people that are hard to love. I want to talk about how we can maintain this overflowing joy um, when we are in Hard situations where when yeah. political elections don't go how we want them yes. to, the news that we receive is not what we want to hear. Um, yes. You know, so many things in our culture today just drive a wedge and divide. And and there are so many people that are on this side of the hill and on that side of the hill and they're throwing bombs back and forth and they're shouting and yelling. And it is so yes. hard to remain at times yes. in the vine of what we've, we've been talking about and, and have that joy. How can we do it? What is an yeah. easy way for somebody that's listening right now that, that maybe had a hard day at work today or maybe is on their way home and they'll flip on the news and they're going to get frustrated or they're going to get angry through all the distractions, through all the crumbling of everything that's going on around us at times? How do we remain in joy and have that overflowing joy? So I have a saying that I tell my students often, and it's this. So often we glance at our God and then stare at our world and oh, our yeah. circumstances. But God tells us throughout scripture, fix your eyes on me. And so what I say to them is, let's be people who glance at our lives mm. and stare at our God. And when we have a greater love and a greater identity than anything, we are Christians first. We are Christians before we're Americans. We are Christians before we are Republicans or Democrats. We are Christians before we are white or black or Hispanic or Asians. We are Christians before we are husbands or wives or moms or dads, sisters and brothers. We are Christians first. And when we have a greater love, for a person who has loved us so perfectly, then as the hymn says, the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And Jesus called disciples that were radically different from opposing political parties to follow him. And when we see the accounts of these disciples, we never see them fighting with each other. And it's because they had found someone who was so much greater than the things of this earth. And I think as Christians, 
We need to be people who stare at our God and love him supremely. Just like Colossians 1 says, he is above all things. And so may we fix our eyes on our author and the perfecter of our faith who had joy and who gives joy to us. Hmm. Tara, I hear Jesus in you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. What a compliment. Wow. Wow, I really do. Thank you for this time that we had together today. I'm so excited for you, and I, I'm so excited. I know today is the day your new book came out, Overflowing Joy, yeah. What Jesus Says About a Joy-Filled Life. And I know as we look at John chapter 5 and have this conversation um, that you've got a lot on your plate. And so thank you for taking some time to, to share the love of Jesus with me, with Wyatt, and with the Faith Radio audience today. We are just so grateful for you. Thank you for having me. God bless you. Absolutely. God bless you, too. This is Afternoons with Bill Arnold. My name is Ben. I'm filling in today. I just I just want to remind you that that if you're lonely today, if you're struggling in life, you can text the word lonely to 877-933-2484. If you're yearning for this overflowing joy that Tara was talking about, but you're struggling finding it, Carmen will text you every couple of days uh, to remind you, to comfort you, to encourage you, to pray with you. So do it today. Text the word lonely. 877-933-2484. Coming up next, Nathan Harris. He's going to talk about being generous, not just with our money, but with our time and our talents and, and everything that God has given us. An encouraging, maybe stretching and challenging conversation, but it's one you won't want to miss. Next on Afternoons with Bill Arnold on Faith Radio. This is Afternoons with Bill Arnold on Faith Radio. My name is Ben. And today we're going to have a conversation that... Don't change your channel. Just don't change your channel. The the conversation that we want to have here on Faith Radio every single day um, points you to Jesus and helps you grow in your relationship with him. And sometimes those conversations can bring up words that leave you uncomfortable or make you squirm or, or shift in your seat just a little bit. And now you're wondering probably... Oh my goodness, what's he going to say on the radio? He's filling in for for Bill Arnold. Today we're going to talk about gospel generosity. I'm not going to ask you for anything. And I know uh, at times we, we feel uncomfortable about those kind of situations. Maybe They may be your least favorite sermon series at church, but I find them to be the most shackle-breaking freedom opportunities. And so today we're going to have a conversation about gospel generosity, about giving as an act of grace. And we're going to come at it in a different way. And we have uh, Nathan Harris on today. He is the vice president of advancement at Grace College and Seminary in Winona Lake, Indiana. He is passionate about philanthropy and giving and communicating how the good news of Jesus transforms the way that we as Christians view and participate in generosity. And and it's more than just money. It's our time. It's our talent. It's our experiences. It is the mission and calling that God has on our life. So, Nathan, first of all, welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. We're so grateful that you're you're um, being generous with your time and sharing with us today. Well, thank you for the invitation. I'm I'm super thrilled to be here today and to be talking about gospel generosity. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope I didn't scare off anybody. I hope the warning wasn't wasn't. <laughs> 
wasn't too uh, verbose and, and, and maybe too vivid. And But do you feel that same way when you have conversations in what you do that people are hesitant to talk about generosity because we we hold on to the things that God has given us so much because we live in this culture of attain, 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 achieve, 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 and there's, there's, there's so much pressure to do it. Oh, absolutely. You know, I usually make the joke when I get an opportunity to um, guest preach in churches or or at a speaking event, and I'll introduce myself and say I'm the vice president of advancement. <laughs> and people will often ask, well, what exactly is that? And I say, you know, I'm over fundraising. And then the temperature in the room changes <laughs> or the moods change because people go, oh, no, this guy's going to ask us for money. Right. And yeah, I feel that not just in events, but in church settings or even, you know, engaging with alumni for our school or or other philanthropic um, outcomes, there is a hesitancy when it comes to money, particularly in the way that Christians view, you know, their life in Christ and then their finances as separate. Right. Let's just bottom line it here, Nathan. Why is that? Well, yeah, I think the the underarching theme for that is we have an unhealthy obsession with possessions. Uh, I think, you know, as we look at Matthew 6, we turn to the Gospels and hear Christ's acknowledgement and um, encouragement for us is to be thinking heavenward, to be thinking where our true treasure is. That is where our hearts are. That is the defining factor of our true health as Christians, and that orients our service to the Lord. But unfortunately, sin is a reality in our world. And it, it keeps us from being able to do that often. And what we see with Christians today, uh, I mean, Christians throughout all of time is this obsession with possessions means we we come to Christ, we have we we put our faith in Christ, we are converted, our heads and our hearts are tuned to to loving the Lord, to serving Him. But then in our other hand, we hold out our money as far away as possible and go, well, but, but these things are mine. Christ can have all aspects of my life except for my finances. Mm. In the Bible, it talks about being a cheerful giver. How do you get to be a cheerful giver if you've never done it before? Because I know before um, I ever became a cheerful giver, which I have experienced now, and it's amazing. I will just tell you that right now. It's amazing. But if you've never, never experienced it before, and I've been there, cheerful giving, come on. That seems like, that seems like silly talk. God, but God wants a cheerful giver to like give with hilarity. How do you get there? What yeah. are the first steps? Yeah, well, actually, I have the secret to that. I, I know the secret to becoming a cheerful giver, and it's it's a lot less complex than what people people realize. So, are, are you ready for this? If you want to uh, be, hold on, a hold on. let joyful... me sit, let me sit down real quick. Yeah, yeah, sit down. If you're not driving, grab grab a pen and paper. This is <laughs> this is this is really what it gets down to. If you want to be a cheerful, joyful giver, and you've never given before, the first thing that you need to do is give, and that's it. Begin giving. Start giving. Once you start giving and you start realizing that your giving is is not just in vain, but it's in service to the Lord, it's acknowledgement of the gospel, and it displays the life transformation that only comes in the gospel. And you get excited about giving because you get to see that you're helping ministries, you're advancing missions work, you're proclaiming the gospel through your finances and resources, which ultimately are the Lord's. So you're giving back to the Lord what already is his that he's given you a stewardship over. So yeah, I mean, cheerfulness and giving, generosity, joy, it's all linked to the gospel, and it's our acknowledgement that the Lord has called us to a great responsibility, and you just give. Amen. Nathan Harris has written this book called Gospel Generosity, Giving as an Act of Grace. It's so interesting. The first step of becoming a joyful giver is to give, and it is the craziest experience I have ever been through in my life. 
where uh, no, I'm not. I'm not giving away absolutely everything that I have. Right. I'm just be 100 percent honest with you. But I love to give love to be generous. And we live in this possession and money obsessed culture that I think has been there um, really throughout the the history of time, probably. And, and the Bible says it's not money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. And so oftentimes we talk about that. And even as Christians, we fall into temptation. We all fall short of the glory of God, right? So even Christians struggle with the fact of possession and money obsession. Absolutely. And I think, too, that there's a lot of things that lean into that, right? So it's not just this this sinful desire to accumulate and say, mine, 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 all of these things are mine, and putting your hands around them like you're, you know, Gollum from Lord of the Rings holding, <laughs> holding the ring. This is mine. This my is precious. my precious. But there's also a reality to this that um, in your life, when you look at your possessions, you see your security in them. Mm. So people, you know, they save, they save, they save, they're building out, you know, Roth IRAs, they have all these, you know, high yield savings accounts, because they're going, this is where my security is, this is where my safety is. If if I were to lose my job, or something happens with my family, this is where I find my sufficiency. But what we find in the gospel is this unbelievable call to lean into the Lord's everlasting arms to trust that he is our sufficiency in all things. Because what does he do? He, he equips us to to do good works in all things, and he provides for us in all things. So we have to see that our sufficiency, our you know our our peace in life does not come through our finances. Our peace comes through the Lord. Our sufficiency is in the Lord, and our our joy is rooted in that. Right, and we want to be more like Jesus, right? And and yeah. we want to be more um, like his perfect example. And and his father loved us so much loves us so much that he gave his son, Jesus, as a perfect example for us and as a sacrifice so that we can be with him. And so you think about this normal American culture that we live in. By the way, we're speaking with Nathan Harris. He's written this book called Gospel Generosity on Afternoons with Bill Arnold and I'm Ben. And and we just, we still feel so incredibly insecure as a culture, needing to just hold on so tightly to the things that you were just talking about, our our 401ks or our savings accounts or our budgets and all of this stuff. And I'm not asking you to throw it out the window and just live willy-nilly and, and give every, absolutely everything away. Uh, but we try to gain more. And Chuck Swindoll said something on Faith Radio was several months ago. I remember coming in and he goes, as you wake up tomorrow morning, uh, look at your house. Look what you have. You hop in the shower and you have tiles. You have running water. You have marble on the countertops. You go down to your fridge and there's food in there. Again, running water. That's clean for you. Look at your, you know, you you have paint on the walls. You have furniture. You have clothes that you wear. You have all of these things that are in excess. But as Americans, we feel like it is, you know, what everybody has to have. You are blessed beyond your wildest imagination, especially if you're an American, right? And God has given all of this to us in, a, in addition to our time and our gifts and our talents and in our families and in the life that you have right now. How can you use those things that God has given you to glorify him? How can you share those things? Because you don't need all that stuff, Nathan. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good word. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged having conversations like this because you just hear the joy and cheerfulness of what generosity actually looks like that it's not about attaining it's about giving 
Um, you know, I, I, I say in my book for a Christian to not give is like being a pilot without a plane that you may say that you're one thing, but you don't have the mechanism that actually um, helps you get to that very thing that you are. So, you know, a pilot needs a plane to be able to fly. A musician needs their instrument to be a musician. And for Christians in a lot of ways, if, if, if we're not living a life of generosity, not living a life of giving, you're missing out on, on a lot of what Christ has called us to. And particularly it's that joy. Mm. You know, I love turning to second Corinthians, you know, every, everyone who's in fundraising knows second Corinthians, uh, chapters eight and nine really well, but you hear just the joy and cheerfulness of the Macedonian church that as they gave, even though they were facing incredible persecution, even though they were, uh, experiencing severe trials, they not only gave, but they gave beyond their means and begged to participate in the privilege of giving. And it was because they understood that the gospel is what transforms their lives. That That's that radical reorientation that makes someone be able to give and, and give cheerfully is knowing that Christ first gave his life. You know, and Paul supports that in, in, in chapter 8, verse 9, when he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, for our sake, he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. That there's this element of that divine exchange we find, you know, Paul does in 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 8, that is the foundation for all that we are as, as Christians, and particularly here in giving, the gospel is our foundation. Mm. Doesn't it start, do you think, with an attitude of gratitude? Absolutely. Absolutely it does. It's an acknowledgement of this unbelievable, gracious gift you've been given, namely Jesus Christ on the cross for your sins, that he became sin who knew no sin so that in him you might become the righteousness of God, that you recognize that. And you go, man, the, the Lord has been gracious in giving to me. Now I can proclaim through giving to the world around me the radical life transformation that only comes in Christ. Mm. Nathan, I feel like I've struck a chord there. You're getting really passionate, so we're going to have to take a short little break for a breather. Um, I'm, just, I'm just kidding, but we're grateful for your passion. It, you know, Susie Larson, who's here on Faith Radio, she's an amazing friend and sister in Christ, and she says all the time uh, about generosity, whether it's your time, your talents, your experience, or even your money to support the cause of, of missions around the world, uh, don't look at it as a, a have-to, as more of a get-to. But we're going to talk Absolutely. about that, Nathan, uh, in just a couple of minutes, about how you change that mindset, because you can hear these things, but we need actual steps uh, to take and tools in our toolbox to change our thinking so we can become more Christ-like. Nathan Harris is our guest on Afternoons with Bill Arnold today. His book is called Gospel Generosity. I cannot wait to read this. Giving as an act of grace. Nathan is uh, working as vice president of the advancement at Grace College and Seminary in Winona Lake in uh, Indiana. And and we're not only going to talk about that, but we're also going to talk about the difference between generosity and giving. Because this isn't a conversation about money. There's not going to be an ask. Um, but please, stay there. We'll be right back. This is Afternoons with Bill Arnold. My name is Ben. I'm grateful that you're here listening to Faith Radio. Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. If you have questions about Jesus or want to chat with someone about it, text FAITH to 41224. That's text FAITH to 41224. And God bless you. Generosity and giving. There is a difference, and we're about to find out what it is. Our guest this afternoon on, on Afternoons with Bill Arnold is Nathan Harris. 
He's written this book called Gospel Generosity, Giving as an Act of Grace. My name is Ben, and I'm filling in. And, and as we we have this conversation with Nathan, we're just so grateful. Um, and we just ask that that God help us understand what he wants us to do. And so what is the differ, uh, the, dif- the difference between generosity and giving? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I think we often view those terms as synonymous, uh, that, you know, we can say generosity, we can say giving in the same sentence and mean the same thing. But truthfully, I don't think that those mean the same thing. Here's what I mean by that. I think often when we talk about giving, there's an element, maybe there's a quid pro quo, or there's I give and receive something in return. So, you know, you go to the store, you give money, you you buy a shirt, you buy shoes, um, you, uh, you know, pay your electricity bill, you, you give that company money and you're receiving something in return. And I think Christians uh, oftentimes, I, and I don't mean to, you know, cast cast us in a bad light, but we often think of giving in, in church that we're giving and we're receiving something out of that. Whereas reality, generosity is an overflow of a joyful heart. Mm. It's, it is a type of giving that is giving without any acknowledgement of receipt or needing anything in return. So Christ calls us uh, through his word, through the apostle Paul, to give generously. That means we're giving to advance something that we don't need anything in return. We're, we're giving because we want to, and we are, we're eager to participate in aiding ministry and gospel proclamation. Mm, Nathan, I, I compare it to, and oftentimes I have this, this vision in my head, of bouncing around like a bunny with just pure joy, literally can't keep our feet on the ground. When you go to the grocery store, I think about just going to the grocery store down the street from the radio station here over lunch and just having this joy, this joy to want to give my time or to give my talents or to, Hmm. whether it's holding the door for somebody or even just saying a simple hello or how can I give, right? Because I have the joy of the Lord in my heart. How can I give? In so many different ways because of that hilarity giving that the Bible talks about, that joyful giving. Yeah, that's that that, that is really true. I mean, it, it is it's the disposition of, of every believer. Generosity, joy, cheerfulness. It is how our emotions are responding to the idea of giving. It's we're joyful. We're a happy people because of that. You know, that that hilarious piece, you know, just an exuberant joy. I'm so glad to participate in this. Or as we said, you know, just moments ago that the Macedonian church begged to participate. There was an element of like they they needed to be a part of giving. And it was just that disposition of of their belief of the believer that's rooted in, in gospel transformation. Uh, Nathan Harris is uh, the vice president of advancement at Grace College and Seminary in Winona Lake, Indiana. He is our guest on Afternoons with Bill Arnold today. This book called Gospel Generosity, Giving as an Act of Grace. I do have a question for you, and I'm really intrigued about the story of Sam Houston. Uh, Can you share (laughs) his story, how he was an example of what it means for the head, the heart, and the pocketbook to be converted? Yeah, absolutely. I I loved, as I was doing research for writing this book, running across the conversion story of Sam Houston. And if there's any historians listening right now, and I butcher this story, you know, feel free to email me and let me Mm. know. But, you know, Sam Houston, for, for you know, any way we could describe it, he was a bad dude, had a hard life, a hard upbringing, then then got into the military and was just a, a hardened military leader. He was militant in all aspects of his life. And for us to know that he became converted, that's a big deal. You know, he his his heart was softened by the gospel at later stage of his life. I think it was within 10 years of actually passing that he heard the gospel and um, 
repented of his sins and put his faith in Christ. And what really strikes me is not just the testimony of the Lord saving someone so so hardened as Sam Houston, but what actually took place at his baptism. So the whole community comes out to to see this baptism, whether they're coming to rejoice in Sam Houston's baptism or they just can't believe that someone like Sam is is getting baptized. We don't know. But we do know that as he was walking down into the riverbank to be baptized. The, the story picks up like this. He's walking down, you know, fully dressed. And the pastor says to him, Sam, you need to take your, your pocket watch off. You need to take your watch off. You still have it. And so he takes his pocket watch off, hands it to a friend. And as he continues down in, the pastor says, oh, Sam, don't forget to take your wallet out. And Sam's response here is what's so intriguing. He says, on the contrary, pastor, my wallet needs baptized too. Mm-hmm. And and the, you know, whether that story is manufactured or has been exaggerated over time, we don't know, but the emphasis is still there that Sam recognized that all aspects of his life were being baptized, not, not just, you know, being baptized in, in the symbolism of being, um, you know, buried with Christ and raised with Christ. But there's also an aspect that every part of his life is being converted to Christianity, including his pocketbook. And we, we know, you know, baptism is not, not salvific that there's, you know, you're not saved by the waters, but there's an element that, that all of your life is converted when you become a Christian, not just your head, you know, your head is not just converted to know and want to know more about the Lord. Your heart's not just converted to want to love and serve the Lord more, but even something like your bank account is now under the Lordship of Christ and how you buy, save, spend, and give is a gospel matter. Mm. Nathan, who's the best biblical example of gospel generosity and what can we learn from them? <laughs> well, you know, let me let me give you the the answer that one of my boys, we've got two two young boys they'd give. They'd say Jesus. Right. You know, Jesus is a great example right. of gospel generosity, of uh which I would agree with them and say they they listened to me while I spoke out loud while I was writing this book. <laughs> you know, Christ would be a great example of gospel generosity. We can look at the Macedonian church as a great example of gospel generosity. Um, but one that I come back to often, and uh, I, I write about this in the book, is the widow uh, in the Gospels, that as she gave, Christ said she gave more than all of the wealthy people together. And she only and gave, she gave two mites. She gave two mites, two small coins, and that's it. She gave everything she had in faith, despite all the wealthy people coming in and throwing their money in and and putting their money together. Christ says she gave more. And that has always stuck with me that, you know, she gave in faith, knowing that the Lord would provide for her. And, you know, we don't want to read too much into the passage, but there's just a lot to that, that that's all she had. And she gave it in service to the Lord. Mm. And I, I think it's Charles Spurgeon. Well, I know it's Charles Spurgeon. And I'm pretty sure it's when he was preaching on this passage. He said that, you know, the, the, the measure of our faithfulness in giving is not in how much we give, but what's left in our hand. And, and that always wrecks me as I, as I consider generosity and giving is it's not the amount I'm giving, but what's left to me and can I give more? Nathan, I'm, I'm so grateful um, for that illustration. You know, you think about the, the widow's might, and in today's money, it would be um, very similar to one one-hundredth of a penny. So she basically gave two one-hundredths of a penny, and she did it quietly. She walked in, and she was, you know, um, very unassuming. Nobody's going to mm-hmm. notice her at all. And it's so crazy at how oftentimes we judge by the outward appearance. And we see it multiple times in the Bible that God judges by the heart, 
And so as you listen to Faith Radio, and I'm in the same boat too, Nathan, oftentimes it can feel like, you know, um, it can feel like a finger pointing or you have to do this or you have to do that. And I just go back to what Susie Larson says. It's not a have to, it's a get to. It's an opportunity to become more like Jesus and grow in your relationship with him. And it is an opportunity, an invitation, really, to go on an adventure of a lifetime, to experience things that you don't even think are possible that will bring you pure joy. Absolutely. And again, I'm not asking you for anything. I don't want you to to give to Faith Radio because of what we said or to give to, to Nathan's organization in Indiana. I want you to start today, if, if you haven't given before, just start by giving something small and make an effort to give something small absolutely every day, whether it's your time, your talent, your experience, even a smile, even your time to hold the door open for somebody. Start small. And if you do give, find more ways to give because we live in a world that is so full of taking, taking, me, my, I, take, take. And as Christians, we're called to be different. Mm. As Christians, we're called to show up, to love, to give, to be counter-cultural. And I believe that people's eyes will be shocked and they'll be just so full, their hearts will be shocked with the amount of generosity and love and the ability to show up in people's lives that God will give you if you just start small and say, here I am, God, how can I do more? Amen. All right, we have a minute 40 left. Uh, so I need more than just amen from you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I can share a story here quickly, okay. but I, I remember being a, a, a young boy sitting in church, and I remember week after week the the um, baskets were being passed, and I observed my parents putting money in every single week. And mm. one week having a conversation with my dad, I'm, again, I'm young, and I said, Dad, why do you have to give every week? Yeah. And I, I will never forget the look he gave me. He looked at me. He said, I don't have to give. I get to give. Mm. And he said, when I give, I know we're helping others. Yeah. And, and, and now growing up seeing that, that, that's the impact is we're not just proclaiming the gospel through generosity, but we're advancing missions. And people are hearing the name of Christ because when we give to our local churches, our missionaries, parachurch organizations, we are doing gospel work. And that is a great thing to be joyful about. Mm, Nathan Harris, thank you so much for your time today. It's uh, a short guide to gospel generosity, giving as an act of grace. It comes out on March 12th. You can pre-order it now anywhere you get your books. We are grateful for the time, for the generosity that you shared with us today, and we're praying over your your um, your profession at Grace College and Seminary in Winona Lake, Indiana. Thank you for sharing with us today. We are Thank so you grateful. for having me. Had a blast. Yeah. God bless you, Nathan. This is Afternoons with Bill Arnold. You are listening to Faith Radio. And by the way, you can listen anytime, anywhere. Your favorite conversations, you can share this one with a friend when you have the free Faith Radio app. To get it, now even easier than ever, just text the word APP. APP to 877-933-2484. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.